Welcome to the Success Addicts. You are stepping into a conversation where I ask the questions that you're thinking of to people that strive for success in all different areas of life, business, faith, health, and more. So ask yourself this one question, are you ready to master your journey of success? In this episode, you will learn about a successful business owner in the cleaning industry. His name is Liam Kircher, and he gives a ton of insight on his mindset shift, starting a business remote, and challenging his beliefs to succeed. I was running this off of my notepad, my laptop, and my, pers- my personal phone number, personal email, and just like a, like literally pen, a pen and paper. Enjoy the episode, and fair warning, you may become addicted. Now, I appreciate you coming on. Um, so just to start off, like, you know, let's talk about where you are today, business, personally, and then we can talk about some of the struggles and, and you know, what led you to where you are at today. Yeah, awesome. So I guess a bit of introduction for myself, where I am right now. Uh, I'm born and raised Canadian. Uh, I live over uh, in Canada right now. Um, laundry to get where I am now, of course, but uh, definitely rocky road roller coaster type of situation. But Right now, uh, I own a cleaning company, residential slash commercial. We have a couple of commercial contracts. Uh, over 75 to 80% of it is residential primarily, though. Um, Decent-sized business. we got about just under 20 contractors that work under us. We do about anywhere between 40 to – sorry, 45 to 50 cleans on a, on a pretty frequent basis. Um, so it, it's definitely something where it's, it's a decent sized operation. Well, I have, I have one operations manager. Uh, I have two virtual assistants. Um, so it, it's, pre- it's pretty steady, uh, with everything I work about internally with, with this business about anywhere from 10 to 15 hours per week. So it, I'm very much so stepping back, um, as of right now, but it is something where it was, a, it took a while to get to where I am now, um, for sure. Um, but now my main focus is, uh, building online, building social content, helping more people as well with cleaning businesses. And then long-term for sure, uh, getting to real estate and stuff like that, but we can dive into that later. But um, that's sort of where I'm at high level now. No, that's awesome. And in the cleaning business, like what, you know, why the cleaning business? How did you yeah, come across this industry? Yeah. So wh- why don't I just give a quick little high, high level overview? So my, myself, like I said, born and raised Canadian, I grew up playing lacrosse and hockey. Um, I quickly realized I wasn't going to play in the NHL. So I quit hockey very quickly and I decided to uh, sort of focus on lacrosse. I ended up getting uh, recruited to go play at just a a division two NCAA school over in North Carolina. Um, So I played four years. I was a student athlete for four years. I did business management uh, as well as like, I think it was computer science or IMS, whatever, which one's labeled on my degree. I forget it. That's how much it matters. (laughs) Um, So I, I, I got that, did four years of that. Learned a lot of lessons. Um, I think I, I did I had a lot of growth in those four years for sure. Um, and then after that, I got an internship over in Philadelphia. So I worked for Redfin. So I worked as a realtor. Uh, it, it, working as a realtor was pretty good. I did it for about a year, year and a half. Um, I enjoyed it. But the reason I started my cleaning business was because I, I always had a bit of a... Um, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I would think like when I was in college a little bit, I always had, like, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be the the cliche intro entrepreneur store. I was like, I was flipping baseball cards when I was five. Right, years old. Right. Like, that's not, that's not me. 
Um, I definitely had to experience corporate a little bit before I was like, you know what? I think I would just rather work for myself. Um, and uh, my parents, when I was growing up, used to own a residential and commercial cleaning business, actually. So just instinctively, it, they actually ended up leaving out of that when I was around 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, and then when I was uh, when I was working at Redfin, I was just like, I'm going to start a business. I didn't have, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was kind of like, I just want to make money. Um, I want to earn some more income, get ahead in life. And instinctively, I was just like, I'm just going to start a house cleaning business. So I ended up launching. Um, I was living over in Philadelphia, like I said, working as a realtor. And I was literally running a house cleaning business at the same time. Um, I actually decided not to launch it in Philly. I decided to launch this uh, in a different country, being my hometown in Canada. So I launched it in my hometown uh, over in British Columbia, literally three hour difference uh, across the continent. And I ran it remotely. And what, so, what now just to dive into that, like what caused you not to do it where you, where you were locally? Why back in the hometown? So it, it was primarily just for inexperience in business in general. Like I'll be, I'll level with you, man. Like I had no idea where, how to start a business. I had no idea what to even do. Like, I didn't know if being a Canadian could even start a business in the U S um, there was a lot of things that I was very, I was lost at, and I literally was very clueless at. So it was very much so, excuse me. It was very much so a kind of like safe route to go. I think, right. uh, something although, familiar. Yeah. Familiarity for sure. Safer. And I was kind of like, you know what? I'll just launch it where my parents live in my hometown and uh, worst case scenario. I don't know. Like I can just close the business down. My parents can maybe help me. Right. And we'll go from there. So that, that was, that was, that was the primary reason. But um, yeah, a, after that, it was one of those things where ended up scaling it to a decent size. Uh, first year we did about 120 K gross revenue. Um, my work visa ended, I ended up moving back home and yeah, one thing led to another and just sort of compounded effort over consistent year basis and with some different strategy tweaks. And now we've gotten to where we are now. So in, in starting that remote, you know, from a distance like that, what were some, some challenges or some things that you had to have in place in order to have success on that? Like were your parents boots on the ground helping you get the business off the ground or it was just purely your, you know, all you? No, I'll be honest, but my parents didn't even really know about it until like a month in, like, like it, it sounds weird that, that my parents just clean business. I didn't tell them, but like, I didn't tell my friends until like a year into me starting the business. Like, honestly, like I was very, very quiet about it. Like, why is that? Why do you think that? Uh, maybe embarrassment a little bit, partially. Like, it's not cool to brag to your friends about how starting a house cleaning company, is it? Like, it's not right. like, that's not, that's not a cool thing to do. Like all, all you see online is like guys raising cap VC money to start a tech company, start an app, do all this and things like that. And, uh, obviously, I, I got to give Nick Huber credit on Twitter uh, for pushing this sweaty startup type of realm forward. But like, I didn't even I didn't even know Nick Huber three years ago. Like, I just I just started a house cleaning business because my parents did it, and I was embarrassed. I didn't tell anyone, and I just sort of grinded away. And like, some of the challenge I faced was like logistics wise. Like, man, I was running this off of my notepad, my laptop, and my pers my personal phone number, personal email, and just like a like literally pen, a pen and paper. Right. Like driving, I if anyone knows Philly or anyone knows over in PA, I was driving down the PA Turnpike, pulling over on the most open exit to try to pull over to try to scribble down an appointment someone called in. 
so that uh, I could then send a cleaner to go and complete deployment. So I was really like um, multitasking with being a realtor, doing showings and trying to do that at the same time. And there was a lot of challenges, but I mean, I was just smart about reinvesting money back into business, acquiring customers, retaining customers. And one thing to have led to another. And we did 120 K that first year. So, and how did you start getting, you know, contracts and, you know, business to even do cleanings on? Like, how did you, were you cold calling or? Yeah. So I am, uh, the cleaning industry itself. If you, if you've never been in the cleaning industry, it's hard to know how easy it really is to be quite honest. Um, and, and I'm not anyone that's ever maybe failed in the cleaning industry. This is by all means ever like me, any slang it, slang at you. Right, right. Um, but what I would say is the acquiring customers is very easy. You can buy your way to success in this industry. If you really wanted to, you could. And what do you mean if by you, that? Meaning if you didn't want, if you worked a full-time job and you were fine, not taking out a profit and you were fine reinvesting that capital every single month back into acquiring more customers, you can see very significant return very quickly through scaling very fast and acquiring customers, retaining them. And they, the lifetime value of these people is very, very long. So literally what I did was, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to be very honest, I didn't even know I was doing this correctly. And I was, <laughs> but I had no idea at the time. I just thought it was normal. I thought a business owner just reinvests his money back in. I had no idea. So I, I was simply just uh, every profit that was coming in because I was working at Redfin, right? I had, I was making fine income with that. So it wasn't like life or death situation. Right. Um, I just kept putting money back into Google ads, Facebook ads, Yelp, things like that. And one thing led to another. And it just, it, I just kept acquiring customers, reoccurring customers. And I just retained them. I made sure there was good quality service provided to them. I made sure we were reliable and it just kept rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Right. Um, and the lifetime value, like the average, uh, the average house cleaning customer should net you between 3,500 to 42 or $300 for lifetime value. I'm pretty sure. Wow. So, and that's net. So if you think about it, that, that they have, like, it's, it's up in the software levels type of lifetime value for some of these people. If, as long as you do good quality service and you're reliable with them. So and Basically, do you believe, not to cut you off, but do you believe that that's the case because of the fact that people just don't want to clean? I mean, is, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I'm, ba- I'm basically selling convenience. If you're like, right. like, 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 I mean, why do people, why do people uh, pay so much for Uber Eats? Why do people pay so much for Domino's delivery to get there in under 30 minutes? Right. I mean, obviously like a little bit, it's, in the grand scheme of things, paying for food, 30 bucks for delivery. People sort yeah. of think, yeah, that's nothing. But really, I mean, it's quite a bit of money for delivery. It's probably it's an extra whole meal. <laughs> yeah, literally, you go out there and get a steak. If you want to go to the grocery <laughs> store, get a steak meal, buy it, go pick up and cook it yourself for that cost. So yeah. basically, I'm selling convenience, to be quite honest. That's the way I've looked at it. And the more convenient you are, the better quality and customer service you can provide, the more you can charge and the more people want to stay with you. So that's basically the, the equation I've always lived off of with this. So, and, and so I want to talk a little bit about the infrastructure. So I know you mentioned VAs, you have contract workers. So how does that work when it, so the VAs, are they the ones answering the phone calls, setting meetings? Like what is their role? Cause I know VAs are, you know, they've always been around, but they're just, I feel like getting a little bit more mainstream. People are talking about them more. So how do you utilize VAs? Yeah, really good question. So 
excuse me, what I would say when it comes to um, the current operations I have going on now, uh, things are definitely different because it's not my main focus, my current cleaning business. Before this, I'll touch upon the workflows and operations. So when I was seriously scaling and I was seriously nailing down like uh, workflows, SLPs, things like that internally, a couple of things I focused on was uh, first thing, if you have anything above 10 cleans per week, you need a quality control manager, in my personal opinion, which literally someone is going to be out there, be a foot soldier, quote unquote, supervisor, and it's going to be able to check on quality of properties that they are post cleaning service or basically face the business, shake some hands, things like that. Um, now, if you are someone that needs to, I don't know, you don't have enough time, you can't answer the phone, you need virtual assistance. So I have two VAs. One VA is focused on literally pencil pusher type work towards hiring and onboarding cleaners. So background checks, getting them on board of the software, um, making sure they pass the certain categories of levels like, hey, do you have two years of experience? Do you have a driver's license? Do you have, um, where did you pass work? Where's your references? Things like that. Um, then another, another VA rather uh, is focusing more, mostly on customer service. So handling any friction with complaints, if that happens, unless it's a large one, it'll come up to me uh, or scheduling. So scheduling cleaners in, assigning cleans to them, things like that, that a VA will handle. Uh, some phone calls here and there, every once in a while that'll come in. We're, we try to direct a lot of traffic into online booking. I really have stopped trying to answer my phone. I don't, I don't like answering the phone, to be quite honest. I'm tired of it. Right. Um, so try to, try to direct a lot of people to online booking. Uh, and just maintaining the customers just comes to those VAs as well as that operations match. But that's typical workflow. It's very much so if, if you think about it as a two-sided funnel, which I think everyone should look at in their business, one being sales towards customers, one being hiring. It's very much so nuclear comes on board. They get, they get hired. They get passed off to the other VA. The other VA then manages them on the calendar scheduling while literally customers are coming inbound or we have ads running, things like that as well. So um, that's like the typical workflow that happens. No, that's, that's good. I'm glad you mentioned that. So I think, you know, a lot of question, even myself, when it comes to VAs, like vetting them, you know, how do you know that you're actually working with VAs that, you know, one, how can you trust them and knowing that they're, they understand what needs to be done as well in terms of maybe they're not super versed on the specific industry and kind of, you know, bringing on the, the right VA. Yeah. So, um, what I would say about VAs is people, for some reason, get this mindset towards virtual assistants as if like they're not, uh, they're treated differently than just regular employees. Like, like when it comes to virtual assistants, it doesn't matter if they were like, I don't know, in some random place on earth or whatever, um, they should be treated exactly like any other employee that you're to your company. Same way to be onboarded, same way to be trained, same way to be delegated to like one of my VAs used to work at Speedia, like a fortune, like a huge, huge publicly traded company. Right. Like these large fortune 500 companies use hundreds of VAs. And I don't think people realize that of how well, like to be very quite frank, there's probably a lot of VAs out there that are better at workflows and SOPs than the actual business owner in some situations, right. especially for home services. I honestly am very convinced about that. So uh, don't be worried when you're hiring VAs, obviously screen them well, things like that. Like don't just hire anyone to hire anyone, go out there and screen them correctly. Make sure they have good uh, work experience, that all that types of thing, all those types of things. There's awesome companies out there that can help you with it. But 
Um, I literally just, I frame it in like a two-step hiring pro, um, training process. One is uh, video content. So I walk through and show them the exact workflows that they need to do. In addition, it's a step-by-step. -step. So I make a little, literally a visual checklist as well as a vis um, visual of a video to walk them through it. So that's literally it, man. Um, and then micromanage them for about two weeks. Right. Once everything's smooth, you're pretty much just, just rinse and repeat after that. So no, that's awesome. Um, so, so now just kind of veering off from the technicality of the business, I kind of want to go back to when you mentioned about, um, you know, you had to go back to Canada from the thread that I read about you. I think your visa ran out your work visa in the United States. So you <laughs> yeah. had to go back. Um, I think you also had some challenges within a relationship and I think the business was, was being neglected. So a lot of stuff was kind of falling off to the wayside. Um, so, you know, I, I want to dive into that a little bit, but then I also want to have a follow-up question. I think, you know, we always talk about in this entrepreneur space where, you know, where we are today is based on the decisions that we've made up until this point. So mm -hmm. what decisions do you think you've made that put you into that? kind of rock bottom, you know, space. And then what, you know, mindset shift did you need to kind of get you back up, you know, and, and start getting things to where it needed to get to. So I guess talk about, you know, going back to Canada, the challenges, what do you think brought you there? And then, you know, what mind, mind shift, you know, what mindset shift did you need to get to where you are today? It's a really, really good question. Um, so what I would say is the Probably not so great decisions that I made for myself when I decided to go on that bit of a spiral downhill when I was working over at Redfin, things like that. Um, I think when it came to things was I probably didn't have enough belief in myself to what I probably I could do. Um, not enough confidence as a young man, I guess. Not enough confidence towards myself of what I was what, how much money I can make, what I could accomplish in a certain time period, things like that. So I think that just, that just like a bit of a um, overarching thing to say, because there's probably lots of decisions in there that I made wrong. Like right. there's definitely things where bad relationship getting to things like that. Um, spending money. I didn't have racking up credit cards, like spending on money on stupid stuff, like just not needed. Um, and then obviously just like, staying in situations like I feel trapped for too long, not ripping off the bandaid quick enough. Uh, so that sort of led me towards, I know that's kind of like a roundabout answer for that. No, but, no, I think it's great. Um, it, that sort of led me towards a spiral downhill. And I think what ended up happening as a mindset shift was, I think it was just mostly a belief in myself um, where I got home and I was kind of like, <laughs> like, I kind of thought to myself, like, like what, if this is the worst that's happened so far in my life, like it's not that bad. Like there's people out there that experience way worse than me. So like maybe like a little bit of a, a, a gratitude shift as far as where I'm at, in addition to a kind of just more belief in myself. Like what's the, I always like to think when I make a decision um, is what's the worst possible outcome to happen to this in that situation. So when I thought to myself, when I was uh, at home, not living with my parents again, and 30k in credit card debt my business was failing i was kind of thought to myself like well what's the worst that could happen say i go and just go after my business again i fo fully focus into it now uh will i end back into this current 
horrible situation I'm in? Probably not. If anything, I'll be a little bit better off. So like there's nothing is, is right now. I think that could be uh, as low as this. So yeah, I, I think it was a gratitude shift and a little bit more of a confidence and kind of like a uh, screw it. What's what, what, what's the worst that could happen type of mentality. I'm young, right? Like yeah. I don't know. 30 K in credit card debt when you're 22, 23 is not the end of the world. There's no, you could bounce world. back. Yeah. From that. Yeah. You could bounce back. I'm not like, so that's sort of was my mindset. And then, um, decisions after that, I've always been a big proponent on, uh, I don't know if anyone that's listening, they, if they don't listen to Alex Hermosi, please go listen to Alex Hermosi. This guy is literally a genius in the business industry. Um, but he says a great thing, um, is, People always like to say time is the most valuable asset, but he actually argues that attention is. And this has really shifted my mindset a lot when it comes to anything with entrepreneurship. Anything that is taking up too much of your time when, from your end goal or end, end what you want to do is probably not worth it. So for example, this is really big on Twitter, the shiny object syndrome. If you're someone that is jumping around to different projects or you're someone that is like, well, I can do this while I do that it's probably taking up too much of your attention, which ultimately is going to get you towards your end goal. So I found the most success when I doubled down and focused on one single thing, which was my cleaning business three years ago. That was when I found the most success. And I didn't know it at the time, but that just happened to be where I was dedicating my most of my attention towards something. So you'd be shocked um, at how much more progress you can make, success, money you can make, if you just focus on one thing compared to eight different little things. So. Right. And, um, and so what did you have to dramatically change from the business side to get it back up and going? Was it just like you mentioned, purely just focusing on it and giving it full attention or <laughs> no. there other things? <laughs> um, no, I, I, I didn't just, yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, re I read a book called uh, Traction by Gina Wickman. Um, and it's like such a classic business book, but like I, I'm telling you, man, after that first year, like I, I still had, even though we did 120 K revenue, I think that was pure luck. Like that was just a fluke. Like there's, I don't even know how I did that. Like it cracks me up to this day. Um, because we had no systems and I read traction by Gina Wickman and it was definitely a mindset shift as far as workflows and operations. And if anyone knows that they've been in the clean industry, or if you haven't, I said it earlier on. It's very, very easy to be better than the rest where it's like, as long as you have workflows, you have some tech behind it and you have some good processes and you're delegating correctly and you just answer the phone and you're a friendly guy that literally says, Hey, I'll book you in tomorrow. And you're just a good business owner. Um, you'll do well in this industry is primarily what it is. So I literally just read that book. I changed a lot of things internally. Um, I didn't, I didn't let things take up my attention for too long. If I, had a gut feeling that something needed to be changed. I, I said, okay, and made, act, took action right away. Um, and yeah, next thing you know, we had pretty much every single month uh, between 15 to 20% month over month growth for new customers. Wow. So it was pretty cool. So, and, and this was all by yourself. Like, did you have any close friend that was a partner or anybody, a relative that was helping you out just purely yourself? I mean, my parents, I use them as like a venting board. Um, right. My parents, like full disclaimer, my parents never had a huge operation. Like they, they were sole proprietors. They were very much the old school case for a home service business. Like they were like um, Doug, the plumber that goes out <laughs> and Doug makes 
150k a year, but Doug does all the plumbing himself. Right. But okay. Like that type of such a situation. So, um, so they, they they didn't really like they had their own business. They were able they were able to exit out of it with a couple of contracts, but like it was never much of a huge organization where I could depend too much on them for business expertise. Uh, it was very much so like, hey, I had this situation happen. Can you just listen to me? Uh, what's your opinion on this? Okay, I kind of like some points of that opinion. I'll take a little bit here, a little bit there, mm-hmm. and then I'll just sort of figure it out on myself. So it was very much still like that. Um, so short answer, no, it was pretty much just me. Uh, me, YouTube, the internet, and reading a couple of books here, and that's about it. No, that's awesome. Um, and then I'll also talk about Airbnb. I mean, I know that's popular these days. Is that some? Is that a space that you're involved with, with the cleaning business, or is it just more longer term? Yeah, great question. So we have a lot of uh, short-term rental customers. Um, one thing I'll say about short-term rental customers is, is yes, it's great money, but holy crap, they're stressful. Um, Why is that? It's quick turnovers, high demand of quality. There's n- no, like you need to show up. There's You cannot not show up. Uh, so it, it, it's just very, very high stressed. Um, it's great, very lucrative. You make a lot of money, but yes, we do. We have, we dabble in that type of niche of inside the industry. Um, but it's something where if you're starting on a cleaning company, I don't recommend that it's the first thing you jump into. Right. I would say maybe get some cleans under your belt, get a couple of recurring customers, get some revenue in the front door. And then if you want to niche down into that, then maybe so. But, um, yes, it, we do quite a few in the summer where I'm located. So. Awesome. Um, all right. So I guess kind of veer and I also saw, you know, from all of the success that you've, you know, b- been experiencing, you also started to invest in stocks. So I saw something about a six figure portfolio at stocks and crypto. So can you talk a little bit about that on, you know, what your investment strategies look like when it comes to stocks? Um, so I've come to the conclusion now, in my personal opinion, that there's a lot of business owners out there that try to be business owners plus investors. And I don't think that works in my personal opinion, maybe for some people, the unique people, but from what I have at least realized, personally speaking, I guess I can speak on that is um, I can't be an investor while I'm a business owner at the same time. Right. If I'm too focused on making money, then I'm making money. If I, if, if I could sit down and focus on what stock to buy or what, um, whatever, what investment, what real estate investment to purchase. I could do that all day. And obviously I would love to do that, but my wealth isn't at that point where I can do that. I need to focus now more on building the business. And so I think a lot of, first off, like a quick little message, I think a lot of people need to do that, that change that mindset shift. Um, But my investment strategy, man, very, very simple. Dollar cost average, S&P, ETF, um, literally till I am a millionaire, um, whether it's me exiting out of a business, whether it's me through being like that through assets or being liquid, whatever it may be. Um, and then through crypto, I'm going to be very transparent. I'm not like Mr. Expert. I, I don't read up the different altcoins every single day. Uh, like I'm, I'm not doing that. I have a couple of ones that I look into. Um, what I will say is I do really, really like the space. So if it was something one day that I was able to sell a business have a large liquidity event, it would, my next venture would definitely be towards crypto, I would say. So. And what, what is your picks on crypto? I mean, same thing with me. I have some crypto, but I'm not, you know, 
in the knowledge. I have been diving a little bit deeper to understand it more mm-hmm. as more information kind of comes out. Cause I think there's speculation, no matter how versed you are in the industry. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what would you say? What are your picks? You know, what are some things that you like? Yeah. So a quick portfolio breakdown. I got about over 80% in Bitcoin. I got about 10 of the, 10 more percent in Ethereum. Um, there's some Solana. Um, I have some XRP and then I have a large chunk of Luna too. So that's, that's literally my breakdown. Um, keep so. it simple, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, keep, keep it somewhat simple. Um, there's definitely in there, there's some hedges against other ones and things like that. Like, um, I don't know. You see these communities on Twitter all the time. Like, one community hates another one. It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, why don't I just spread my money out towards a couple of them? And then maybe it would, I don't know, maybe one will work. So right. um, that's my thought. But I, I try to keep it pretty simple with investing across the board, in my opinion. No, it's awesome. And I mean, since you and I met on Twitter, what value, I mean, cause I see, I've seen a lot of value over these last couple of months on Twitter in terms of the knowledge, the people mm-hmm. to connect with. So has Twitter brought a lot of knowledge to your business directly you know, what, what value has Twitter, I guess, brought to you in general? Yeah. So uh, there's two ways to look at this. I always say uh, people typically say, oh yeah, Twitter's brought you value because monetary wise, totally agree. Twitter hundred percent has brought me value through monetary. I'd be lying to say that it hasn't, but also another way to look at it is Twitter is a social media platform that is free. That gives you access to anyone that's an expert in industry anywhere in the world, I guess. So why wouldn't you at least try to be active on there? Whether it's one tweet a day, two tweets a day, to at least try to get some sort of message out there to connect with some person that's an expert in an industry, whether it's the same one or a different one that you're looking into. Um, If if anyone's listening that hasn't read the great online game, I 100% recommend it. It's a blog post by... Packy uh, McCormick, I think I'm saying his last name wrong, but McCormick, um, he's a great person that wrote an awesome blog. He's just like a big Twitter guy. And he talks a lot about how we have this ginormous piece of opportunity in front of us. Like literally doesn't matter if it's Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. And literally um, it seems to be no one is producing, everyone is consuming. Uh, mm. at that point. So people are not playing the online game, game correctly. Right. Uh, is what it is. So no, that's good. And and when you say monetary, like, is it from clients that you've picked up through Twitter? Or is it more knowledge that you've received that you transferred into your business that then created you more revenue? Good question. So I'm very, very transparent guy, very open. Um, I, I have produced income through creating a program that helps people grow cleaning companies. So, and what I'll say here is because there's such a bad sting around coaches and all that stuff. I am not a typical guru. I'm not out here to sell a $5 ebook. I'm not trying to do that. I don't care. (laughs) Like what, what I would say is this is ultimately a business. I would be lying to say there's no monetary incentive towards it. I'm obviously, uh, trying to grow it and help people, but also trying to get paid. Right. Um, I'm very transparent about that. I literally say that to every single person that joins the program. I literally like, I'm transparent. This is a business. Like uh, I want to help you as much as possible, as much as I would love to do it for free. Uh, it's just not feasible, I, but mm-hmm. I'd rather get paid to do it and provide you more value because at least I'm getting paid to do it. So that's my sort of outlook. Um, so I'm very transparent on that front. So I started a program that's called the cleaning business accelerator program. 
Uh, my company's called Cleaning From Zero. There's a Twitter account. It's called that. We got about a thousand followers on there. Um, and yeah, we have just over 80 people in the program. And it's something where literally we're helping people scale a cleaning business to six figures within the first year. So wow. literally there's people in there that have made $6,000 within their first month. Uh, we've had people join it. They've landed 300 unit apartment buildings, contracts for places like it, it's uh it's pretty cool, man. It's definitely changes in lives uh, for sure. But if people are in there and they're like, what I love about the cleaning industry is it doesn't need to be something that is um, it doesn't need to be a forever business. And I always tell people this, like when you start, like people need to stop thinking of businesses as like, I need to quit my job tomorrow and I need to go hundred percent of this. Not everything in life needs to be like uh, one or the other. It can be multiple different things. So we have people part of the program that work nine to five and they just want to make some extra cash and cover their expenses for their life. We have people that work uh, a nine to five and they just want to beat inflation. They didn't get a raise at their job this year. And they're like, <laughs> the best thing to do is start a side hustle, like a cleaning business, generate an extra thousand bucks for me and my family a month. And then that at least gets us through inflation. Like, right. so I always tell it to people, it's like, this doesn't need to be a one or the other. This can be something where it's like, I want to scale this to a million dollars by all means. I'm not killing dreams. Go for it. But also it could be something where it's just a side hustle too. So now do you think that comes with this specific industry or is that just your general thought process of somebody that's working nine to five and wants to, you know, start a side hustle? Do you feel like I, I think it's in this specific industry? And the reason I think that is because I think there's only a couple of ones that you can do that within home services directly. Um, I like to equate this type of business model to someone starting a like a side hustle internet company or something like a kind of like a, they, they don't want to go out there and raise a bunch of VC. They don't want to go out there and raise a series A, B, whatever. Um, but they want to just create themselves some extra cash flow on the side. So right. I equate to that. Like if you were, if you were to go and start a plumbing company, that can't really be a side hustle. If you want to go start a roofing company, it can't really be a side hustle. It's a little bit more so, technical in other words. Well, just more, just more logistics wise, I would say more trucks, right? Trucks, equipment, all right. that junk. More is needed involved in kind of just someone going to a house and cleaning and having like less than a hundred dollars of cleaning supplies to do a good job. Right. So that's what I would say. It, it's just, it's definitely something where logistically it makes it very easy, which makes it very easy to scale and in return, e somewhat easy over long periods of time for a business owner to manage while working a full-time job too. So, or scale awesome. it. So, no, I think that's great. I mean, I, I also think to your point before, you know, the cleaning business or industry, you know, there's not a lot of people talking about it. So it's good to get a little bit of insight and, in, in, you know, what's going on in that industry. Um, so long term with the business and, you know, is it to continue to grow the business or are you just trying to maintain, keep, keep a consistent, you know, you know, a little bit of growth, but nothing major. So you can then go focus on other stuff on the side. You know, what are the long-term goals? Yeah. So I always get this question. It's like, um, because people always say like, well, why don't you just scale it to like ginormous size? And I always <laughs> say to people, it's like, I don't like cleaning. Like, I don't like the cleaning <laughs> business. Like I'm, I'm 26 years old. I don't want to be in the cleaning industry until I'm 50. Right. So I, I always say that to people. And it's kind of funny because I always get that question. Like, why don't you scale up really large? And the thing is, the matter of cleaning is, is like, it's going to take a while to scale. Like the reason my program is one year is because it takes one year to scale a six figure business. That's why. 
it's nothing of like these th- like two week drop shipping courses that you'll make two grand and <laughs> whatever it is. Like this is this right. is a one year intensive program. So that's the reason we did this. Um, and just to like piggyback off of that, that's why I don't want to do this. It would take me probably the next five to 10 years. I'd be in my mid thirties probably if I wanted to scale this business to a couple of million dollars, I would say is just the ultimate truth. And I don't want to do that. I would rather go out there and do maybe um, as now I have more capital, I'd rather do some higher leverage type things. So go into real estate, go in, maybe, I don't know, grow this program a little bit bigger and then maybe go to go into real estate after that, things like that. Right. Um, I, I, I rather go towards the things that I enjoy as I approach maybe my later years, I shouldn't say later, I'm 20, mid my mid twenties, but later years of my twenties, uh, into my third thirties, um, doing something I enjoy rather than running a cleaning business forever is all. It's my, that's my personal point of view on it, at least. No, it's awesome. And then, and then possibly taking on the opportunity if somebody's willing to buy it, is that? Yeah. I, I, hey man, I mean, if you want to pay for it, I'll go, I'll sell it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I mean, if someone approaches me with a check, go for it. I mean, if yeah. it's the right number for sure. Uh, I'm not, I'm not emotionally attached to the business. It's by no means nothing of like, Hey, I need to keep this forever. Um, the worst thing you can have as a business owner is some cost fallacy where literally you stay in the business forever and you don't re- you reach that exit point and you go past the exit point where you should have left off and you should have sold the thing. So if someone wants to bring a check to me and it's a decent amount, hell man, I mean, take the thing off my hands, go for it. Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go chase the Nets venture for sure. So that's awesome. What, what, what I say about cleaning is it's an amazing first level. It'll get you cash in your pocket. The biggest thing is leverage in life. Leverage. Three levels of leverage. Naval, if you leave it, like I didn't make this up here. Naval thought of this. I didn't give him credit. Uh, code and media, um, capital and labor. Right now we're using labor, harder form of leverage, but we're generating capital to get from the labor. So once we get more capital, we have a lot more leverage to go out there and chase things that are a little bit bigger than just the cleaning industry. So no, that's awesome. Um, so to wrap to wrap this up, I want to ask a few kind of rapid questions. Um, I guess one is what is your definition of success? Uh, it's a hard question. <laughs> um, I think right now in my life, I would equate it to a monetary value. And I think that would over time progressively change. Like a lot of people, I think that, I think that happens quite frequently. So I think right now, monetary wise, and then once I reach that, cause ultimately if you focus hard enough on it long enough, you'll definitely get it to get there. Um, then I think over time that'll change and even out a little bit more from what I've heard. And I've spoke with a lot of wealthy people is like the value of the dollar significantly decreases. The more you consume of it, the more you get the value of it towards yourself and of what, how much more you want it definitely decreases substantially. So right now it's a very value quite high on my priority list. And then over time, I think it'll definitely go down. No, that's great. I mean, it's, it's almost like, you know, you, you see these super successful people and some of them aren't even happy. So like you said, they've, they've accumulated so much money, but to a certain point, it's almost numb. doesn't really make, make much of an impact. Yeah. A hundred percent. What I would say is the biggest thing for I, I've realized is like, just be as self-aware as possible. Don't be the guy. Don't be the, the worst, the biggest nightmare is being the 50 year old out, out of shape. Um, no family, but you're worth a billion dollars. Right. And that's, that's like, or a, whatever, hundred million dollars. Like that, that's just the worst nightmare. Like I, I would not. Yeah. Like that. Um, so 
what I would just say is like, as long as you're self-aware and you know when to prioritize different things at certain periods of life, I think you should be fine. So. No, that's great advice. And what, I know you mentioned a lot about books. So I, I could tell you're definitely a reader. Well, aside from the ones that you mentioned, what would you say is one that made a big impact to yourself? Uh, people should read Traction by Gina Wickman. I mentioned that. You should read $100 million Offer uh, by Alex Ramosi. Um, you should read, what's the one by Naval Ravikant? Um, the Almanac by Renal, uh, Naval Ravikant. Probably pronouncing that all wrong there. But uh, if you read those three, honestly, you probably should be pretty sad. I'm not a huge reader, like to be quite honest. Um, I like audiobooks. I don't even yeah. know. Uh, but like, Better than nothing, right? right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in my personal opinion, is like um, reading obviously does help intelligence. Every person that I know that's super, super smart reads a lot. Like, I've just, I've noticed that over life ever since yeah. I was like elementary school. But like, um, I'm just not a huge reader. I, I'm more, I'm more focused on accumulating little snippets of information from maybe this podcast this right. book, things like that, and sort of putting them together to weed out the crap and put together the, the real tools that are actually going to benefit me in my current situation, at least. So no, that's powerful. Um, and then last question I'll ask is, so somebody that's looking to start a business, make that jump from, you know, what they're currently doing. Maybe it's in the cleaning industry or maybe it's not, but what, you know, what advice would you give them to, to kind of help, you know, help them put that, that foot forward to, to, to do what they want to do? Um, I think this gets really pushed forward on Twitter a lot is like a lot of people start businesses because they want to make more money. Like that's just the reality. As much as people want to push and say out there, like I'm starting this because I have a passion and this and that, like, that's great. That's awesome. Um, but a lot of the times people passions don't make them a lot of money when they first start. So what I, what I typically say is like chase, um, chase and focus on the high importance things, not the small things when you start. So for example, if you're starting a business and you're like, Hey, um, I'm starting a cleaning company tomorrow and you get caught up on the logo and you get caught up on what type of software you're going to use or the phone number company. If your phone number is the wrong number in it, cause it doesn't rhyme or something like that. It's like something so silly, like that's stuff that you shouldn't be focused on. Like right. that's not how you make progress in life. There's been numerous, every business I've started has been an absolute shit show the first year, six months to a year, probably. It's been an absolute shit show. And the reason is because I just started and figured it out. So even, even if you were someone that's in my program, that's, I've given you a playbook. Even if you're someone that maybe follows me and reads my threads, it's still important to just try and focus on high leverage things within the business. Things that are going to give you revenue into the door because you started a business, not just because you had passion but because you wanted to make money and making money is what's going to be the most important when starting a business. So focus on the big thing, not the little things. The little things are going to hold you back with progress, everything in life. So oh, that's, that's amazing advice. Um, and then I guess, you know, lastly, just where can people find you? You know, you have a website, what's your handle? Yeah, definitely. So uh, on Twitter uh, it's Liam Kircher, uh, L I A M K I R C H E R. It's just literally my name. I lucked out on, I don't know how I got that handle. I got lucky. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm building on my Instagram now. So please go follow me there. I actually, that's more important. Uh, it's Liam.Kircher. Uh, so just a dot in between the two, my first name, last name there. 
And uh, yeah, I'm also on YouTube and it's literally just Liam Kircher. So all, all my name on every single one of the platforms. And if you are someone that is interested in uh, joining the program or interested in learning more about how to scale and start a cleaning business to earn some more cash flow, um, shoot me an email at info at cleaningfromzero.com and we can uh, we can get you set up on that and, and chat more in depth and jump on a call maybe. No, that's awesome. Awesome, Liam. It, it was a pleasure speaking with you, learning about your story. Um, definitely a lot of value. I know people are going to find value in that and all the snippets and all the information you gave. So, you know, I appreciate it because I found value myself and um, I look forward to connecting again. Hello, man. Thanks for having me. You as well. Take care. In this episode, Liam clearly demonstrates the value in automating a business and utilizing free tools at our fingertips, such as social media, to gain knowledge and add to your network. If you are looking to get into the cleaning industry, Liam is a great contact to have. Reach out to myself or Liam to get connected and follow me on Instagram, Lenny underscore Pisano to stay up to date on new episodes. And I hope this helped you on your journey for success.